0: Hey, this is Dr. Patty Sadala. Welcome to my Experience Jesus podcast. In this How To and Identity episode, you will learn how to become Jesus' best friend and about the power of joy and favor that his friendship brings into your life when you do. Reflect on your entire life for a moment. Think about the people in your life who are or have been your dearest friends. Seasons of friends come and go, but true friendship has certain commonalities. Close friends are people for which you enjoy, have fun with, laugh, and spend time. More importantly, you share your heart with them, and they are there for you in the most difficult of times. The Lord Jesus is the perfect friend to us. The word friend in the Bible is philos. It means to be someone who is dearly loved, prized in a personal and intimate way, a trusted confidant, held dear and close in the bond of personal affection. The Lord adds the perfection of agapeo to his friendship with us, the unconditional and perfect love of God's benevolence. The fruit of the Spirit reveals and defines this kind of love for us. In Galatians five twenty-two and 23, But the fruit of the Spirit, the result of his presence with us, is love, unselfish concern for others, joy, inner peace, patience, not the ability to wait, but how we act while we're waiting, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Don't those verses describe the kind of friend you would want to have in your life? Joy is the aspect of the fruit that emphasizes the name friend the best. Notice that joy is the, one of the first defining characteristics of the love of God. Since there are no other ways to indicate emphasis for the Bible writers, they ordered things to show importance. If you are not living a life of love, joy, and peace, you are missing God's best. God is the absolute best friend you could ever have. He is, by his very nature, your friend. The bigger question is, are you his friend? King Solomon was considered the wisest man who ever lived, and he wrote the book of Proverbs. Here's just some of what the Lord gave him to say about friendship. Proverbs 18.24 There are air quotes, friends, who destroy each other, but a real friend sticks together closer than a brother. Proverbs 27, 5, and 6. An open rebuke is better than hidden love. Wounds from a sincere friend are better than many kisses from an enemy. Proverbs 17:17. 17, 17. A friend is always loyal, and a brother is born to help in time of need. Proverbs 27, 9. The heartfelt counsel of a friend is a sweet perfume and incense. Proverbs 27:17 As iron sharpens iron so a friend sharpens a friend. From these verses we learn that friends love and challenge you to be a better person. Here the Lord is challenging you to ask, honestly, are you allowing the Lord to be your friend? Are you getting close enough to him? for him to speak into your life? And do you respect his instruction and know it is motivated by perfect love so that it may transform you? Let's take a moment to look at some of God's friends in the Bible. Moses was God's friend. At the time, Moses was unique in this way. Speaking face to face to God is his desire for all people. But at the time, the only one with that privilege was Moses. Exodus thirty three eleven says, and so the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face, just as a man speaks to a friend. Abraham was God's friend. In James two twenty three 23, it says, and the scripture was fulfilled, which says Abraham believed God, and this faith was credit to him by God as righteousness and as conformity to his will and he was called the friend of God. Abraham believed God's promises were true and real, no matter what God asked him to do. In Abraham, we learn that faith is not only a factor in friendship, but it's the fruit of it. Jesus' faithful followers were and are his friends. In John 15, 13-15, No one has greater love nor stronger commitment than to lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you keep doing what I command you. I do not call you servants any longer, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you my friends because I have revealed to you everything that I have heard from my father. Jesus is showing here that laying down his life was a demonstration of his friendship's depth. Many have made the same sacrifice for God. Obedience is a measure of your relationship. Jesus has given you the Holy Spirit to guide you into all righteousness, and he has given you the capability to obey by sharing God's will. He shows you the way, one day at a time, to align your life accordingly. Because you have the indwelling Holy Spirit, This opportunity exists for you to know his friendship and to demonstrate yours. The encounters that you have with the names of God in this podcast increase your friendship with God. Let's take a moment to address likability. We have already established that God loves everyone. He cannot not love you. It's who he is, not what he feels. It's what we call his isness, his core identity, and the motivation behind everything he does. But liking is a different story. The book Influence by Robert Cialdini identifies six human nature motivations. These influencers affect everyone and can be used for good or evil, for blessing or manipulation. Cialdini asserts. We will do things for people that we like that we would not do for people that we don't like. You tend to like people who like you. You like people who make you feel safe. You like people who make you feel comfortable and welcome. And you like people that you sense are trustworthy. These are all common sense factors. Looking at these statements from your perspective as you think of those for whom you like, it's easy to see. Now flip the perspective for a moment. Could the Lord say you are his friend based on these factors? Do you make him feel welcome? Have you proven yourself to be trustworthy to obey his voice? Can he count you as someone for whom he enjoys quality time spent? One thing that I know is that he wants to. The favor of God is an anointing force. The word favorite comes from the word favor. The word in the Bible for favor is charon. It means yearn towards, long for. Be merciful, compassionate, favorable, inclined towards, to give, to grant graciously, Lance Wall now calls favor the honey of heaven because it's sticky and sweet. It's when you dip yourself into God's blessed presence and he sticks to you in a way that people can sense and feel. He defines favor as the attraction of God to you that releases an influence through you so that other people are inclined to like you, trust, and cooperate with you for an assignment God gives you connected to your calling. I know that was a mouthful, but each piece of it is very important to break down. The Lord's favor is always connected to your calling. And some of the Bible stories we'll share in here will help you see what I mean by that. Favor is a magnetic force that God puts on you because you have befriended him. The word for anointing is chiro. It is the material substance of the very presence of God on you. It literally means to rub or smear or to consecrate for a purpose. Based on that definition, it makes sense that you must be in God's presence to receive it. So when Lance Walno's definition has the stickiness of God connected to it, this is what he's saying, that there is a connection between God's favor and his anointing. Here is a discussion that I had with the Lord where he explains the anointing. Lord, I never really thought about the anointing as rubbing off of you, onto things and people. It was fascinating to learn that the anointing is a material substance. Please help me understand this rubbing and smearing. Help me see it with the eyes of my heart, what you want me to understand about it. Then God reminded me of when my prayer partner, Becky, poured gallons of oil on the lady at the Cleveland House of Prayer I was experiencing the Misty Edwards bridegroom encounter for the first time, and the Lord showed me an imprint like a stamp, wet at first, and then dried in place as a permanent tattoo, marked and sealed. In a future episode, when we address the bridegroom, I will include the Misty Edwards bridegroom encounter experience. But for right now, it was a uh, demonstration of the pouring of oil as an anointing of the bride. This is what Jesus had to say. You wear me for all to see. The more rubbing of the anointing will dry permanently like a tattoo. People will feel me when they are near you. They will know me because of your boldness. Elisha's bones were so saturated with my presence that every atom and neuron was drenched with my anointing and remained on the prophet's bones because of his boldness for me. It was a permanent imprint. Here is what Jesus was talking about there. In 2 Kings 13 to 21, it says, And it happened that as a man was being buried on an open bier, They saw a marauding band coming, and they threw the man into Elisha's grave. But when the body of the man was being let down and touched the bones of Elisha, he revived and stood up on his feet. Jesus continued, Memory foam receives an imprint and then pops back up after your hands are taken off of it. But when it happens repeatedly, an imprint remains. Evidence of it lingers visibly, even after a person gets up. The same is true when the anointing is present continually in your life. Let's look at some Bible stories where the favor anointing was clearly present. Nehemiah was the cupbearer of King Artaxerxes at the tail end of Israel's 70-year exile. Word got back to Nehemiah that the city walls of Jerusalem were in a shambles, and it weighed heavily on his heart. One day, the king noticed a solemnness in Nehemiah and asked him what was wrong. Feeling his pain, the king asked Nehemiah, how could he help? The king responds in Nehemiah 2, 7-9. Then I said to the king, if it pleases the king, let letters be given to me for the governors of the provinces beyond the Euphrates River, so they will allow me to pass through until I reach Judah. And the letter to Asaph, the keeper of the king's forest, so that he will give me timber to construct beams for the gates of the fortress, which is by the temple and for the city wall and for the house, which I will occupy. And the king granted me what I asked for the good hand of my God was upon me. Then I came to the governors of the provinces beyond the Euphrates River and gave them the king's letters. Now the king had sent officers of the army and horsemen with me. The cupbearer's job was to taste and test the food and drink before the king. Poisoning was a common way to kill the king in that day. Because of Nehemiah's trusting relationship, the king granted him everything he needed to go and repair the walls of Jerusalem. When Nehemiah arrived in Jerusalem, each family situated closest to the sections of the wall stepped up and repaired their wall portion under Nehemiah's anointed instruction. Remarkably, they completed the job in only 52 days. The king and the people who helped did so because of the favor anointing on Nehemiah. Moses and the Israelites. After the plagues hitting the people in Egypt, you would have expected the Egyptians to hate the israelites. In Pharaoh's stubbornness, the people experienced plagues after plagues, even costing them their firstborn children. The Lord forecasted the favor of the Israelites even before the plagues affected them in Exodus 3:21 and 22. And I will grant this people favor and respect in the sight of the Egyptians. Therefore, it shall be that when you go, you'll not go empty-handed. But every woman shall insistently ask her neighbor and any woman who lived in their house for articles of silver and articles of gold and clothing, and you shall put them on your sons and daughters. In this way, you are to plunder the Egyptians, leaving bondage with great possessions that are rightfully yours. Why did God give more than two tons of silver, gold, linens, and other treasures to more than two million people exiting Egypt? because they would need them to build the temple to serve the Lord. The favor anointing is always connected to kingdom purposes. Now let's look at the story of Mary, Joseph, and the baby Jesus. Joseph and Mary were from a modest family. They did not have a lot of money. When Jesus was an infant, they were told by an angel to go to Egypt, Matthew 2, 13-14. Now when they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to them and Joseph in a dream and said, Get up, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you. For Herod intends to search for the child to destroy him. So Joseph got up and took the child and his mother while it was still night and they left for Egypt. He remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken about to the prophet Hosea. Out of Egypt I called my son. It was Mary and Joseph's purpose and calling to raise the Messiah, and this action fulfilled a prophetic promise from hundreds of years before. There was a special favor over the ones that the father would trust for the job, so he made sure that they were provided for by putting a burning purpose on some Magi's heart from a distant land to provide for them. In Matthew two nine to eleven, it says. After hearing the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star which they had seen in the east went on before them, continually leading them the way, until it came and stood over the place where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy, and after entering the house they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then after opening their treasure chests, they presented him gifts, fit for king gifts, of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Jesus was about two years old when the Magi presented these gifts. The star appeared on the night he was born, and God led these men for two years until they could give their gifts to the king of kings. God's magnetic influence can reach people across the world. Let's look at the two sides of the favor magnet. Magnets stick and repel. Likewise, there are two sides of the favor anointing. The enemy hates God's favor. Consequently, as God increases your favor and people magnetically show up to help you, prepare for spiritual warfare. The favor anointing is like the supernatural radius of God's love that surrounds you and makes people notice and sense God's love, causing them to want to help you. The enemy uses jealousy as a mighty weapon against the power of the favor anointing. Have you ever noticed that many of the most high, fruit-bearing, spirit-led leaders experience most of their significant resistance from inside the body of Christ? This is because jealousy can be an ugly enemy to the purposes of God. To handle the power of the favor anointing, You must have the character of God reigning in your heart. Attacks will come. The challenge is to keep your eyes fixed on Jesus and not on the haters. Understanding that spiritual warfare is typical and knowing that the one in you is much greater than the one in the world is necessary to keep in balance. Do not fear the favor anointing because of this truth. Embrace it. The more time you spend with Jesus the more he will transform you into the person that can handle increasing levels of spiritual warfare. Do not keep your eyes fixed on the warfare or it will grow more prominent in your heart. Pray for those who are against you and continue to keep your heart aligned with the Lord and then you'll be able to handle it. One super clear Bible story that shows the two sides of the favor magnet is the love-hate relationship between King Saul and David. After David was anointed as a future king, God's anointing left King Saul. This vacuum was filled with tormenting spirits, causing the king great anguish. Saul found comfort when David played the harp for him. The soothing presence of the Lord on David and the relaxing instrumental music of the harp gave King Saul peace. In David's presence, Saul loved him like a son. But soon jealousy overtook King Saul as the people preferred David and taunted him with songs comparing David to Saul. This jealousy turned into a murderous hatred, and he hunted David on a mission to kill him for many, many years. David had many opportunities to kill King Saul, but would not dare kill God's anointed king. This hunting season covered eight years and is thoroughly covered in 1 Samuel, chapters 21 and 31, and 2 Samuel, chapter 1. At one point, David got close enough to cut off a fringe of Saul's robe and then confronted him about it. In David's presence, look what happened to Saul. First, Saul 24, 16-19 says, Then Saul wept aloud and said to David, You are more righteous than I, for you have rewarded me with good, although I have rewarded you with evil. And you have shown this day how well you have dealt with me, for the Lord delivered me into your hand, and you didn't kill me. When a man finds his enemy, does he let him go away unharmed? May the Lord reward you with good for what you have done for me this day. So Saul winds up blessing David and leaves him alone until the next chapter When he's no longer in David's favor, and the hunt to kill him picks right back up and resumes. How do you develop a friendship with God? It is a great privilege to be counted as one of God's friends. It comes from spending time praising and worshiping him for pure enjoyment. The more time you spend with the Lord in his presence for no personal agenda other than to be with him, the more his presence rubs off on you. People can sense it and are attracted to it. It's as simple as that. Just enjoy him. Be the friend to God that you would always have wanted for yourself. Jesus is just like us in friendship. He likes people who like him, who trust him to make him feel welcome, and those for whom he can count on to obey him. When you gaze at Jesus, he gazes back at you Remember, a gaze is a long look. It's not a short glance. Where his eyes are fixed, his favor and transformational power flow. If you prioritize him, he prioritizes you. A properly posture heart is the key to befriending Jesus. Spending time praising and worshiping him, meditating on the Bible with him, singing and praying in tongues, Let him know that you prioritize him. Meet God without personal agendas, just for the purpose to enjoy his presence. All of these ways make Jesus feel welcomed, prioritized, and trusted. These face-to-face actions show God that you are his friends. You know, God knows his friends before they're his friends. God is omniscient, so he lives outside of time and space, and he knows every decision you will ever make, not because he's a puppet master causing you to make them. His omniscient vantage point has seen you make them already. There are times when you may not even realize that he was trying to show you something about your future level of favor long before you earned that right by your time and devotion. Mary was a young teenager, probably 14 years old, when Angel Gabriel approached her and told her she would be the highly favored mother of the Messiah. David was a teenage shepherd boy whose father didn't even count him worthy of being included when Samuel showed up to anoint one of his sons as the next king. We just don't see it in ourselves, and doubtless others around us don't see it yet either. I have told the following story more than a dozen times in my life, yet it was only in the preparation for the Meet the Friend chapter and the Encountering the Love of God book that I wrote that the Lord gave me additional insight about it. One year after graduating from college, only a short two and a half years after my salvation, I was driving on the highway to Columbus to meet my former college roommates for a brief reunion. I was in the passing lane, there was a guardrail to my left, another lady driving a car to my right, and the Barnum & Bailey Circus parked on the berm for what felt like miles. Coming toward me full speed was a white car. Time slowed down for me, and what was probably only a few seconds seemed to last for several minutes. During the slow-motion time, I talked to Jesus reflecting on the impending consequence of my present reality. I had an unreasonable amount of peace in my heart as I thanked the Lord that I knew Him and that I would be with Him in heaven in a few moments. I reminded the Lord that it would be nice if I had an opportunity to be married and have children, and then I reminded myself that the Lord is the one who grants my days, so I was honestly okay with it. I looked to the right and, and I thought how odd it was that the circus was there. I looked into the eyes of the lady driving next to me, and her eyes seemed to ask, are you going to take me with you? I gave her an insuring look that said, no, uh, I'm not going to swing into your lane. As the white car was directly in front of me, I noticed out of the corner of my eye that a guardrail had disappeared And I immediately turned my wheel to the left and looked into the driver's eyes and thought two things. The first thought was, oh no, I'm probably going to be maimed or paralyzed the rest of my life when I could have been with Jesus. And then I noticed how vacant and dead the man's eyes looked, and I felt sad. Instantly, I felt an earthquake-like shaking of the car from the wind of this man's car passing mine. He did not hit me, and there was not a scratch on me or the car. I found myself in the dip of the median strip between the highways. Suddenly, time sped back to normal, and then it hit me how close I was to getting killed, and I started shaking and crying uncontrollably. A man from the circus crossed the highway to check on me, He said he honestly thought he was about to witness the worst crash of his life and was so glad that I was okay. He offered to help me, and I said I would be fine. I just needed time to stop shaking. And he assured me that he had notified the State Highway Patrol with his CB radio. When I finally got to my destination, the circus man was telling the story to a news reporter on TV. I learned that the white car driver had run three more people off the road before the highway patrol stopped him. No one was injured. His wife had just died and he was suicidal and didn't care who he took with him. The circus was on the berm because some elephants were vomiting and they needed to stop the caravan to attend to them. These animals were used to traveling, so this was unusual. As many times as I've told that story... The Lord unveiled some nuggets that I had never really noticed before. There were multiple miracles. Many things had to line up perfectly for this story to happen. God slowed down time for me to reflect on my life. The Lord caused elephants to vomit so the circus would stop on the side of the road and prevent anyone from getting off the highway at the exact time I would be driving. That woman was driving next to me at the same moment to prevent me from moving into her lane. No doubt the Lord was speaking to her, too. The guardrail disappeared, and I was able to turn the wheel in the exact moment needed to stay safe. The distraught man was recklessly endangering the lives of many people, yet... The Lord protected him and did not allow anyone to be injured on his mission... I had a conversation with the Lord that I was not spiritually mature enough to have at the time in my stage of faith. The Lord himself gave me those thoughts. But the most crucial lesson of it was that the Lord orchestrated all of that to show me that he had big plans for me. It was not my time to go to heaven. Even the saving me in that time of my life was his favor connected to my future calling. He was forecasting that he had a good reason to keep me alive. Have you ever had a close call like that? Was there ever a time that you could have died, but you didn't? Perhaps God was telling you that he had big plans for you, and he just wanted you to know it wasn't your time. God's favor can be lost. The quickest way to lose God's favor is to take pride in his blessings. Your character must be rock-solid to handle the force of favor. You must be able to recognize God's hand in your blessings. Everything is a test. When good things happen, thank the Lord for them. Another way you can lose God's favor is to allow the spiritual warfare to become more prominent in your mind than God. When you let what people say and do crush you, you give the enemy more power than is deserved. You make the enemy bigger in your mind and heart than God, which is a slippery slope. Finally, favor can be lost if you stop prioritizing your time with God. If you've received favor because you spent time with God, and then you allow the busyness of your life to backburner God, you will lose his favor. Creating holy habits of abiding with him will continually strengthen your character. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus— and keep the favor flowing. There is a connection between favor and joy. The Lord revealed a secret to me about keeping that bigger spiritual tank filled up with ease. Psalm 1611 shows you the secret. It says, You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. In your right hand there are pleasures forevermore. You can see from this verse that there is a connection with finding the path of life and God's presence and the fullness of joy. Fullness is an absolute word. It is pleroma. In the Bible, it means complete satisfaction, fulfillment, completion. To help me understand this, the Lord reminded me of the movie Monsters Inc. This is an animated film for children about a monster world that gets the energy to power their city with the fear and the screams of children. Monsters enter the children's bedrooms through closet doors at night and scare them to produce electricity that is captured to power their monster city. The movie follows Sully and Mike, a monster scaring team competing for the best scare record in the company against their arch rival villain, Randall. A small child whom they named Boo accidentally crosses into the monster world Children are assumed to be toxic, and they need to get her back home as quickly as possible. Villain Randall pursues this child throughout the entire film. Most of the time, this child has no idea she's in danger, and she feels safe with Sally and Mike. There is a critical shift in the film when Mike makes Boo laugh. Her laughter causes the power grid to go so high that it powers the entire city for a few seconds and nearly blows the power circuits. The link to this film clip is below this episode in the pattyej.podbean.com site. The fear and scream energy are like running on the enemy's fuel. When you listen to the enemy's voice, you agree with his negativity. It is like running your car on harmful gas. Over time, this will kill your engine and break your car. Likewise, Focusing too much on negative energy robs you of physical vibrancy, emotional, mental, and spiritual health. This is what the Lord had to say about this movie's message. In the Monsters, Inc. movie, you see the power contrast between fear and joy. As you move along the spiritual maturity continuum toward your purpose and calling, there is a need for increased levels of anointing. With an increase of anointing, your heart container must enlarge to handle this new level. And when you choose to be a friend of mine, choosing to be with me for me, then your heart container is enlarged to be able to handle increased levels of my anointing. I am always your friend, but here you become my friend. This is because your heart has shifted from seeing me as a genie whose purpose is to meet your wants and needs to a God worthy of your time, praise, and worship. You have prioritized time with me just for me. Holy habits of seeking my face and not my hand begin to take hold at this critical phase of your journey. This newfound relationship with me expands your heart's ability to handle increased levels of my anointing power. I know your needs, so you don't need to come to me as a beggar. You are the daughter or son of the King of Kings, I already know your needs. Here is a secret to quickly filling up your heart tank. Joy is a booster. It's a thousandfold multiplier. In my presence there is fullness of joy. See Psalm 1611. We learned in the Monsters, Inc. movie that the heartfelt giggle of a child could power the entire city. There is supernatural anointing energy for me that comes from you enjoying me for me. The same amount of time in my presence will have different levels of anointing energy. Seeking my hand and asking for what I can do for you has some benefit, but much greater is the same amount of time spent with me with a heart of gratitude and joy. Thanking me for even the trials brings increased levels of my anointing power and favor. Just have childlike fun with me and the favor anointing flows as a high-quality supernatural gas for your spiritual tank. Bigger tanks need more fuel, and joy is the secret to filling up your bigger tank with the best stuff in the shortest amount of time. It is the high spigot of the anointing. Okay, it's time to have some quality time with Jesus, your friend, today. In today's encounter, you're going to spend an entire day with Jesus in the Spirit in about a 15-minute supernatural experience. You may want to just spend time doing some fun thing with him that you've always wanted to do. I like to pack my bags and have a spiritual vacation with God. And so that's what we're going to do. And the actual guided imagery for that is below in the pattyej.podbean.com site below. If this is your first podcast experience with us, you may want to go back to the trailer episode and learn about the biblical foundation for dialogue journaling our process for experiencing Jesus. This leads you through the first special place encounter with Jesus as a child. This is a starting point for all of our experiences with Jesus. For best results, it is always good to properly posture your heart for your experience by welcoming Jesus' presence with praise and thanksgiving and playing with him in the special place as a child for a few minutes before asking for anything from him. I want you to remember that today's encounter is a supernatural encounter, so do not limit your experience by anything in the natural. Anything you've always wanted to do but cannot do in your own natural world, you can ask the Lord to do together. Or like I did, just show up in your special place with no expectations whatsoever, just to be with, with Jesus, play with Jesus, and laugh with him. He wants you to enjoy him as much as he enjoys you, so just allow him to take the wheel. Make sure you take all the time you need and write your entire experience down in your journal. I hope you had a wonderful time with Jesus today. And different than a lot of our episodes, this is the kind of thing I want you to do all the time. I want you to take regular vacation days with Jesus. I want you to take uh, all the time you need to just. Be and play with him. And the more you do, the more you will trust God and the more he will become real to you. And the more he's a friend to you, the more you will know that you can rely on him in all areas of your life. So, this is actually a very important lesson today to learn. The friendship of God is tantamount to the intimacy of God. So, make sure that you spend time with him just doing this kind of thing as often as possible you can jump into a Bible story. If you'd like, you could be his plus one at the wedding at Cana and watch that miracle happening. In fact, as a bonus, I have, a, I have included a link on this episode page on pattyej.podbean.com for just that. Be his plus one at the wedding of Cana. Meet the disciples. Uh, meet Mary and enjoy watching that miracle. This topic and other names of God are addressed in the Encountering the Love of God book, Experience Jesus Book 1. There's links for that below as well. And I hope you will join us on this podcast adventure. Follow this podcast and forward it to others that you think may be blessed by it. And check out all the links below. They are designed to take you deeper. I thank God for you and bless you in Jesus' name.